This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy <sighs> Rose Studios. Men in Blazers World Headquarters. In the crap part of Soho. Oh, it's good to have her back. It's the Men in Blazers podcast. Rebecca Lowe. Oh. oh, her voice back like the jewel in the crown of suboptimality that it is, David. Yeah. Gotta be honest, I revere Steve Bauer. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do revere Steve Bauer. Good use of the word revere. But I do miss Rebecca Lowe. <laughs> it's Brazilian Rebecca Lowe slightly. I, I sense a difference. Brazilian Rebecca Lowe comes across slightly differently than Connecticutian Rebecca Lowe. Discuss. Well, she's working her arms much harder. See a lot more arm movement from Rebecca Lowe because she's standing up a lot, not sitting down. We're seeing her standing up more. Maybe it's because I've seen the promos with her walking under the Brooklyn Bridge and the whole, uh, the, the whole Premier League promos. But I sense a different Rebecca Lowe. I think we're dealing with a different kind of broadcaster when she gets back to our shores. <sighs> All I'll say is the Premier League without Rebecca Lowe, it's a bit like going on that long, hard journey all the way to Marine and finding that Khaleesi is out somewhere in the wilderness where the dragons. Yeah. I can't wait for her to come back to yeah. us from Rio to just look into that camera and say the words we all wanted to say. My name is Chockard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, back in a mo. But she often say, yeah, back, I prefer in a, yours. back in a mo. Talking of the Olympics, phew, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I've got Olympic fever. I, I never mind the athletics, David. Yeah. I just love watching the sports broadcasting masterclass mm. from Seacrest. And mm. that young up-and-comer, one to watch. Costas. Yeah, Bobby Costas. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's 10 years younger than us. He's wearing Antonio Conte's wig. His, his skin, it's like Kendall Jenner-esque. Mm. I know he looks younger than 10 years younger than us. Yeah. It's the way they light him. Yeah. I've got to tell you, he's one to watch, though. But apart from Costas... Yeah. What's been your moment at the Olympics? Oh, there have been some amazing uh, moments. But sort of to take a few that less people are talking about, Monica Puig winning the uh, women's single. Yes! First uh, Puerto Rican woman to ever win a medal at the Olympics. The first Puerto Rican to ever win a gold medal. I think she's number 34 in the world. Has only won one tournament, certainly not a major, certainly not a Grand Slam. She gets into the final against Angelique Kerber, the bloody German, Rog. And she takes her out, just takes her out in three sets, held her nerve, held on at the end. Had you in tears. It was tears. just so emotional. Had me in tears, had me in tears, had my daughter Ingrid in tears watching it. It just was a beautiful, beautiful moment. And she became massive. Had a lot of uh, Puerto Rican friends, Rog, and who had no idea that this was going on, who I was sort of messaging. And then gradually I found out that across Facebook, across text, the entire nation of Puerto Rico and the diaspora, Rog, suddenly realised... They're not big tennis fans, usually not big women's tennis fans. They haven't had a lot to cheer about over the years. Suddenly got into it, and you just felt an entire island, an entire island's diaspora cheering for this woman. Her life will never be the same again. Amazing stuff. Okay, what about you, Rog? What have you been enjoying? Simone Manuel. Yeah, that was an amazing moment. Houston, Texas is Simone Manuel. Yeah. I'd say watching her win gold yeah. in the women's 100-meter freestyle. Mm-hmm. First African-American woman to grab gold in the pool. Mm. So against the grade that she wasn't even mentioned in the pregame, which was all about the remarkable, and they are remarkable, Australian siblings, the Campbells. Yeah. And then she got out the pool. Her life changed forever. And having, I hope, changed thousands 
of other lives, young people watching her. And she just instantly delivered a speech of speeches, age 20, just speaking from the heart. I doubt she's had that much experience in addressing an entire nation live. But to be able to drop these lines, this medal is not just for me. It's for a whole bunch of people who've come before me and have been an inspiration to me. And it's for all the people after me who believe you can't do it. I just want to be an inspiration to others that you can do it. For me, that was the most powerful moment of the Olympics, David. Yeah, it's phenomenal. We're, we're producing here in the uh, crap part of Soho at Embassy Row, producing a show for VH1 uh, called VH1 Live and the host is Mark Lamont Hill, an amazing, amazing guy. And he was talking about this on the air on Sunday night. And he made the point that not only is it amazing to see the success of these wonderful, powerful, brilliant African-American women at this Olympics, not only great for America, but the fact that it's happening in front of the world and also the fact that it's happening in Brazil, which has had its own issues. Complicated The history. last country in the Western world to abolish slavery, its own complicated uh, history with race. And it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. Wonderful <sighs> to watch. Also enjoyed, Rog, the gymnastics, the beam competition. Yes. Another Simone, Simone Biles. What class that woman has. Uh, you know, knocked out of uh, first place in the beam uh, I think by this amazing Dutch girl, this Dutch identical twin who just did an amazing beam routine and her own teammate. But watching the way she cheered for her teammates, watching the way that she not only competed, but watching the way that she lost so gracefully. What a winner that young woman is. I am way, way into the women's beach volleyball. Oh, you love it. You love the beach volleyball, Rog. How is that not a primetime sport? Week in, Yeah, week regularly out. scheduled Ir- Irrespective the of the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, I would watch that. All that just athletic endurance, yeah. the majesty, the tenacity, the uh-huh. skill of those competitors. It's jaw-dropping, David. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot about... The only downside is they all wear Arsenal jerseys. <laughs> yeah, they do. Well, slightly less tight, a little baggier. Wenger should sign up the Swiss. Don't yeah. know how they do it. They're landlocked. Yeah. Ooh. I really enjoyed the digital, you know, sometimes for me, just for my own personal taste, I sometimes find the NBC primetime coverage... A little bit not for the sports fan. It's a little bit too not live. It's a little bit too packaged for me. The digital content, though, Rog, has been absolutely amazing, where you just get to really just watch the sport from a pure sport point of view. Amazing stuff. The stuff that's gone in the track and field. Um, Usain Bolt, Rog, that was insane. The 400 metres was phenomenal. Everything's I watch great. it I digital, it. I but it. I, I, I DVR the, uh, the prime time just to uh, fast forward to the Bobby Costas part. <laughs> yeah, you love, you love yourself to some class. Bob. Costas. Bobby! Okay, we have an apology, Rog. Bad got news. An apology. Bad, bad news. news. Bad news. Warning. <sighs> We're back on NBC Sports Network. Oh, for the love this of God. This coming Monday, Rog. I believe that is August the 22nd. Um, we do not yet know the time Sorry, that we're going to be on. They've given us a very broad window. In fact, it's a, it's a window of 24 hours that we may be on next Monday at some point. Could be the middle of the night. Could be the middle of the afternoon. We really don't know. We really don't know how long the Meekum car auction is going to go <laughs> yeah, on for. Exactly, it's very tough. It's very tough to know. There, there, there are lots, there are lots of deer who need shooting. Uh, so it's going to be tough to know exactly when we're going to be on. Rog. But the, we're going to be the, on the at way, some point. The way we've always traditionally operated yeah. 
is when we kind of know we're going to be on, yeah. we sleep in the panic room. We have yeah. like, like um, yeah. um, AVB when he mm-hmm. was at, uh, at Chelsea. We have little Japanese uh, bedrolls that yeah. we kind of roll up and roll down. We sleep there. Uh-huh. And then we'll, Jeremy Roenick will sometimes intentionally, otherwise yeah. sometimes his, his elbow just hits a large red button, activate yeah. men in blazers, mm-hmm. yeah. and we just leap right into yeah. action, tape the 30 minutes live with no rehearsals. <laughs> exactly. Very, very true. We're so sorry, America. Yeah, but we're going to be back. Um, Football's back. Yeah, football. Three hundred and eighty games. Yeah. Two hundred and eighty-two days. Yeah. More contenders than your average Republican presidential primary <laughs> debate. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Conte, Mourinho, Wenger, Pep, yeah. Klopp. None of whom want to be the Chris Christie of the whole affair. No, not one of them. But a new friend, Davo. That flying lion replay graphic, though. Yeah. I feel like when everybody gets back from the Olympics, this is going to be fixed, Rog. It's a very... Fixed? You make it sound like a dog? No, fixed as in repaired. Well, yeah, well, hmm, no. I don't think you can neuter it. Uh, I think that would be a mistake. But I think there's, there's a glitch in there somewhere. I feel like there's a flash frame or there's something out of sync. It, is, it almost uh, causes some kind of epileptic reaction in several. me when I watch it. It's just hard to watch that replay graphic. I, I can see a whole DreamWorks Action Hero series for the Premier League Lion. Yeah. Whenever I see the actual replay graphic, I just yeah. want a plush toy made out of that lion now. <laughs> I can imagine the meetings in the Premier League just like, merch. To be clear, NBC are not responsible for that replay graphic, Rush. That doesn't come from NBC Sports. That comes from, um, that comes from Premier League Productions, which I believe is IMG, uh, which is part of WME which basically means it's the UFC are basically producing that graphic that goes in front of the replays. What David just said, for those of you who don't understand it, it's all Roy Hodgson's fault. Yeah. But I'll say few experiences <laughs> conjure such intense, intertwined feelings of glory and doom, David, than the minutes running up to the first game of the new season. Ah, do you not agree? Yeah, definitely. Although this was slightly weird because there was so much sport going on. It sort of took me by surprise this beginning of this Premier League season. Oh, my body clock's just been ticking towards yeah. the... Yeah, towards I know, you, you oh. got a little bit overexcited. At JG Adpi tweeted yeah. us and said, Me to wife, Premier League kickoff. It's just like our wedding day. There's mm. so much hope and optimism. Dot, dot, dot. Silence of implication. <laughs> <laughs> slightly pre-season-y this yeah. first week clubs yes. still finding their way many yes. players palpably not yet 90 minutes yes. peak fitness but let's just jump in Dave and yes. revel in it yeah, we'll talk about that pre-season-y aspect of it Rog we've got a packed show you're right we're going to break down the seven goal stunner between Arsenal and Liverpool that left Jurgen Klopp's glasses on the ground again and Gunners fans baying at the Emirates gates we recap debut wins for Jose Mourinho uh, Pep Guardiola and Antonio Conte at their respective clubs. And we question where Hull found enough players to not just play against, <laughs> but defeat defending champions Leicester City. Plus, we ponder what went wrong for the US women's national team in Brazil. Oh. And we talk Frank Lampard's recent goal-scoring tear Super for NYCFC. Let's crack open the Guinness. Roger, you've got the Guinness draft. I've got... The Guinness Blonde, the perfect beer for summer, Roger. It's so hot outside. What else could I be drinking but Guinness Blonde, an American lager? I like to pretend it's still winter, David. Can I just say, as we raise our glasses, I want to toast all the GFOPs in Louisiana yeah. in our thoughts after that, frankly, brutal, yeah. terrifying flooding. We wish you and your families respite from the ongoing storms and as a long, heart-wrenching rebuilding process begins, courage. Absolutely. 
Rog, we are now 138th of the way through the Premier League season. And suddenly the grass is a bit greener, the sun is shining brighter, and this Guinness tastes even more refreshing. We kick right off with Arsenal 3, Liverpool 4. The most effortless penetration of a French erected defence by a German since the Maginot line. Boom, boom. A Philippe Coutinho brace polished Adam Lalana finish and a thunderous Sadio Mane solo effort. See Jurgen Klopp's crew past a patchwork Arsenal side and whip Gunners fans into even more of a frenzy, Rog. Attach your rusty nipple clamps for the first time this season, Arsenal fans. Because oh, a second decade of Wengerism <laughs> begins with a loss Rusty that was clamps. akin. Yeah. Okay, go at this ahead. Point, yeah. At this point, David, this game was akin to voluntary defenestration. I mean, we were talking yesterday about how few sporting fan bases mood swing with a toggle switch that just flicks between two kind of temperatures. Victory by divine right! And apocalypse is coming, run for the hills. There's like nothing else in between. Yeah, we are the greatest team in football. Everybody should be fired. Those are the two positions uh, that Arsenal fans have. No grey zone. No grey area. There's never like, you never speak to an Arsenal fan here. Yeah, I think we're doing pretty good this season. I think we're going to be okay. I'm enjoying okay. it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. What's the feel positive it's, about? It's, uh, yeah, but and, and yet I'm realistic about the challenges that we face as a squad. You just don't no, hear it very not much. Not that person. I mean, talking about challenges, no Ozil, no Giroud, no Koscielny, all still recovering from the Euros. Might not be back this weekend. Uh, two of the three for the Leicester clash. Uh, which is looming. Wenger holding them back because they are not fully fit after their Euro exertions. I mean, the poor guy is damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. If he fielded them and they were injured, which Arsenal players have a one to do, I mean, he becomes a lightning rod. But when he says physically, Arsenal aren't ready, I don't know when they will be. And, and, and by that, we guess we, we don't know whether he means just this season or over the last five seasons. Mm. I mean, he gets absolutely battered. Yeah, he gets battered. And I think, though, in defence of Arsene Wenger, I've got to say that he's actually just being honest. And if every Premier League manager was honest, they would say that the pre-season that these big clubs have don't in any way prepare their teams for this season. The marketing it, commercially oh, driven yeah, It's only a 38-game season. Country. And the idea that, oh, you can take three or four games to go and get into it, it's just, it's not true. Like, every point counts. Every game counts. I think a lot of teams who aren't completely ready, Rog. Yep. I mean, Liverpool, oh, they couldn't have been more pert. Their starting eleven boasted the most top notches on the team since Akira Kurosawa's seven samurai. Unfortunately for Liverpool, Alberto Moreno had one of them. And then we quickly showed... I mean, amazingly, even worse decision-making on the field than he'd done, evidently, in the barber's chair. I mean, first is clueless challenge ability on mid-season form. Fantastic, yeah. Alberto. Brought down Theo, yeah. who then missed the penalty, dispatching it towards goal at the perfect to save height. But within 69 seconds, Coughlin found Walcott on the edge of the area. Yeah, and Walcott phew, just knocked it right in. Moreno, totally out of position, not tracking back, leaving Theo to experience every single emotion felt by every single character in Love Actually within the course of just 69 seconds. We were talking, Davo, about the two ways Arsenal fans have to say the word Theo. Yeah, there's a, when they feel really good about Proud him, and defiant when, when he does, does something good. good. Theo! And then one with shock, fear and despair when he cocks up. Theo! Oh, Theo! Theo! Oh, they said both. I mean, several times. Theo, when he won the penalty, it was a Theo! 
Yeah. Theo, when he took the penalty, it was a Theo. But then when he skipped past, oh my God, it was Theo. Theo. All over again. Theo. Theo. We're Theo's team now. <laughs> We're Theo's team now. But there's only one way Liverpool fans say Moreno, and yeah. that's with the first name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, but from an Arsenal POV, this turned out to be less a goal, Dave. Mm. More a psychological trick perpetrated for the benefit of Arsenal TV interview subjects yeah. so they could go completely off the handle post-game. I mean, losing 1-0 yeah. or 2-1, it just wouldn't empower them to go completely bonkers yeah. as when they scored first and then went ahead and leaped four. Yeah, without a doubt. And look, the first goal they conceded, Rod, of all the times. In the Judge dying embers Iver of the first half. Bennett time. Uh, Rog, and who steps up? Philippe Coutinho, Rog, and what a cracking finish. From Steph Curry range, with a swerve only Clayton Kershaw can conjure in sports. I mean, it seemed like a fluke of football at that moment because Liverpool had been languid for much of the first 45. For those of you who don't remember my father's rule, Judge Ivor Bennett time is, how would you describe it, David? It's the sort of the, I would say it's start Judge Ivor Bennett time for me starts at around 43-minute mark and goes through the end of injury time for the first half. It was my dad's theory that the worst time to score a goal is the last minute of the, uh, of the first half or the first minute of the second. Theory being that if it's the last minute, the, the manager will have to rip up his half-time speech, which in my dad's mind, he's typed up, had his secretary kind of print out and was yeah. going to read to the team. But if you score in the first couple of minutes of the second half, everything he just told you in the locker room yeah. becomes absolutely negated. Liverpool scored both sides of Ivor Bennett time, David. Because yeah. within a couple of minutes of the half-time break, David, they did it again. I know, Lalana this time, Rog. And phew, what he's incapable of doing for England, Rog, he's very capable of doing for Liverpool. And a fantastic, fantastic finish. Oh, from the little head and shoulders model. Beautiful football that will make Liverpool supporters dream. Q Klopp punching the air on the sideline as his spectacles tumble back to earth. A move I imagine he'd practised hundreds of times over the off-season in his underpants in front of his bedroom mirror. It would get worse for Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Coutinho again, Rog. The only non-former Southampton player capable of scoring in this game scores again. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal's makeshift centre-backs was Callum Chambers, who played 51 minutes last season. Premier League Virgin Rob Holding suddenly looking full of fear. But Liverpool, I think 19 passes mm. before the goal. Klein to Coutinho to finish. Probably the most Arsenal-esque goal the Emirates might see this season. Just yeah. quick movements, minds passing, and then just a period of unilateral disarmament. Both defences decided to just stand down. Mane's goal. Oh, they were just wonderful. I mean, you see goals struck from like long range, Rog, and you see great runs. You rarely see great runs, and at the end of a great run, see a great finish like that. It's so true, Davey. And then he charged away to jump on Klopp's back. Piggyback rides, the new Klopp cuddle. Mane, fascinating. He's now announced himself to the Liverpool faithful. If he was at Southampton, he would now quieten down until he needed a new contract. It's going to be interesting to see how Klopp motivates <laughs> that kind of ecstatic play on a consistent basis. Yeah. But watching this, Dave, it was like Arsenal fans were experiencing their entire vat of despair that they normally go through in an entire season, just crushed into 90 minutes. Arsene Wenger on the sideline like Stanis Baratheon at the Battle of Winterfell. Yet with Liverpool's defence on the field, you always have a chance. Both sides playing very little defence. And Arsenal, you know, as often happens, the pressure releases. The pressure isn't on them so much anymore because they're now 4-1 down. And then, of course, they come back into the game. And it's the Ox! 
Rod, remember him? Yeah, deflecting the ball past the static Mignolet. Yeah. I mean, confidence-wise, this was all like watching Toby Flenderson from The Office have mm. a fist fight with Jonah from Veep. Callum Chambers made it 4-3, the fifth ex-Southampton player to score in the game. My God, Southampton fans, what you must have experienced watching this. I mean, Southampton are less a football team. They're more like the Premier League's first piece of open-source software. Yeah. I mean, we were watching this game. It was like watching Liverpool 4, Barcelona 0 and Liverpool 0, Mainz 4 at the same time. But Arsenal couldn't do it. In fact, they never really threatened. The closest they came to an equaliser was Theo Walcott tripping over the ball in the penalty area. Theo! God. At Dan Ware's shirt, for an Arsenal fan, that game was a barn burner. If you own the barn. <laughs> That's true. I was talking to my mate Harvey last night, who's a huge Arsenal fan, and uh, I was sort of trying to explain to him that... When Arsenal win or Arsenal lose, it is not a statement on Harvey. There is there is a sense that, <laughs> but that, it is that it when is Arsenal win, he feels like a better Harvey, yep. and when Arsenal lose, he feels like a worse, a Harvey. lesser Harvey, and therefore he needs Arsenal to win for him to feel good about himself. How your football team plays when you're a fan does not affect who you are and your qualities as a human being. I think au contraire. <laughs> I believe Arsene Wenger looks at his players in the locker room and says, "Let us win this one." For Harvey. Harvey. <laughs> and the players so before at the centre circle. Before they Harvey's were, team now. When, when the players yeah. are in the centre circle, they put yeah. their fists in and they all look around at whoever the captain is. Yeah. He looks at them and goes, I'm Harvey! <laughs> Harvey! <laughs> and then as they wumble away, Santi Cazorla just mutters to, uh, to Arsene Wenger, who is Harvey again? <laughs> <laughs> I believe he is friend with the devil. To win sure. this for Harvey. Let's talk about Liverpool for a second. Three massive points. But the win, a bit like a comb-over on a bald man, David. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the reality. We can't, we can't read too much into any of this stuff. We will, but it's very difficult to read too much into one insane game that felt a little bit like a pre-season game, uh, Rog. Neither team completely ready. I mean, look, if Mane is that good all season... It would be remarkable. I had a Senegalese Uber driver today, Rog, who was so upset with how well Mane played in this game because he's like, he doesn't do that for Senegal. Um, and, he needs um, more piggyback rides. <laughs> he needs more piggyback, piggyback rides uh, without a doubt. Let's just say Liverpool's frailties are evident to all and Klopp's going to have to work hard to fix them. And they've, the positives, they've got an attack that few can match. Coutinho, Firmino, Wijnaldum, Lallana, Mane possibly the best five since Michigan's 1991 recruiting class, Weber, Rose, Howard, King, Jackson. While they're going to attack like San Diego Chargers era, Air Coriel, they're going to be magic only if they can lock up the back, David. The way they defended here, Henderson, Lovren, Mignolet, Moreno, just made Liverpool fans nostalgically long for the relative security of the Martin Skirtle era. No, look, the only, the only negative I'd give on Liverpool really is that the Gagan pressing sort of stopped, Rog. They weren't Gagan pressing. It was just all out attack. They didn't seem to really be pressing the ball. They seemed to let Arsenal do what they wanted to do. But Arsenal didn't do a lot in the middle of the field, which is maybe why they didn't feel the need to press. Arsenal seemed to be the bigger questions, uh, Rog. I'll tell you one thing that I felt watching the game, and I wouldn't ascribe any individual goal to being the fault of Petr Cech. But I must say, when you watch them in replay and you watch them in some... With your Chelsea glasses on. No, it's not. I love Petr Cech as a goalkeeper for Chelsea. And I, I love him fantastic. as a drummer. And by the way, last season, he started pretty poorly for Arsenal and he came, he came good. He ended up with a very, very good season. This might just be he's not in completely 
you know, in preseason form. But they're going to need Czech in fantastic form this year unless they do something with their defense because it's going to take them a long time to go and get a defense in front of him that's going to be able to, like, you know, stop the best attacks in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated with Arsenal. Before the game, Arsene Wenger poo-pooed the notion of an influx of new talent coming in. He said, new is just new, Harvey. No, he didn't say the Harvey part. But, I mean, that is from a man with no centre-back depth, no clinical striker options, and probably just as critical looking at this game, no veteran leaders. And I think this is what, after 20 years, is making Arsenal fans feel more doom right now than death cult members. They are being led by a man who they feel, in terms of obstinate futility, is just equal parts Captain Ahab, the rock-pushing Sisyphus and King Canute pointing at the waves, expecting them to stop hitting the beach. There's an amazing team of players Arsenal have been in for, but not locked down. Benzema, Suarez, Vardy, Iguain, Covalio. And no one knows why, David. No one can truly understand why. And that is, I think, what creates this incredible mood swing that we talked about at the beginning, because there's just a Bermuda Triangle of craziness around the clear need and the lack of action. And I think there's another thing also, Rog. Think about what the Premier League looks like on the benches this season. Um, Jurgen Klopp obviously has come in at Liverpool the energy he has Antonio Conte come in at Chelsea Mourinho gone up to Manchester United Pep has gone up to Manchester City and there's a new sense that Arsenal and Arsene are competing against a very very different set of elite managers I took a look back at who were the managers in the Premier League when Arsene first joined Arsenal in the 96-97 season Rog other than Rud Hullet He was the only foreign manager in the Premier League. Uh, Brian Little, Ray Harford, Tony Parks took over from him, Ron Atkinson, Jim Smith, Joe Royal, Howard Wilkinson, Martin O'Neill, Roy Evans, Alex Ferguson, Brian Robinson, Kevin Keegan. It was, you know, Souness, Peter Reid, Harry Redknapp. Those are the days I long for, say Brexit voters. I know, but it was a very British and Irish group of people. And Arsene came in with his exotic continental ideas and he was so different from everybody else now how different is Arsene actually what marks him as being very different is he's not that ball of energy on the side of the field he's not that person with the really aggressive you know transfer instincts with the sort of aggressive way of sort of taking uh, control of the media and the sort of the mind control tricks of Jose Mourinho and I feel that there is a sense that the league is starting to pass Arsenal by. I'm not saying that's true, but I think amongst Arsenal fans, that's something that they're starting to feel. I feel for him, David, as a human. I do. In the documentary I shot with him, which will run post-Olympics, first question I, I asked him was, what is the joy in this job when you're being battered on a week-to-week basis? What's kept you doing this, being savaged by fans, media, season after season after season? And I did. I imagine him late Sunday night, having drained a big bottle of claret and a vat of Ben and Jerry's, Mm. just looking at himself in the mirror, listening to Taylor Swift shake it off, the saddest rendition ever, and sadly mouthing, the player's going to play, 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 and the haters are going to hate, Mm. hate, hate. I mean you, Harvey. But Arsenal fans, take some solace. Look at it this way. The crap first day of the season. Yeah, you're used to it. You always do that. Just part of your traditional experience now. You've got so many routes that you have to go through. Top Mm. four place, that's another route. Round of 16 Champions League exit, being Mm. rejected by top-class strikers. In the past seven years, Arsenal have only won once on the Mm. first day of the season. Lost three times in that spell. Scraps of solace. Your big boys are due back. But Aaron Ramsey maybe limped off with a hamstring injury, possibly out for a month. 
and they're going to have to be difference makers or else the demise of Arsenal's title hopes will go even faster than Usain Bolt. Yeah, and they go to Leicester next weekend. Rog, fascinating stuff. Okay, we Toby just mentioned Jose Mourinho uh, and he took his team down to the south coast. Rog, Bournemouth won. Man United 3, Jose Mourinho begins the season in predictable fashion, seeing off the cherries thanks to goals from Juan Mata, Rog, Wayne Rooney and that man, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Welcome back, Jose Mourinho. Greatest defector to the Reds since Edward Snowden. Nice one. <sighs> no Pogba, serving a one-game ban, carried over from Italy, so he was restricted to perhaps his most important Manchester United role this season. Vice President for Social Media. Yeah, a lot of people very upset about that ban, Rog. Manchester United fans. Mainly, mainly, yeah, mainly. (laughs) Mourinho said his team wouldn't start the season like a train after an inadequate pre-season, and they didn't. Second season syndrome fearing Bournemouth was sprightly with a build from the back pluck. And when United had the ball, everything just seemed to slow down when it came to the feet of Wayne Rooney, age 30, the captain, the captain of England, yet still very much auditioning for his new master with Mkhitaryan and social media vice president Paul Pogba mm. waiting in the wings. The England captain, he stopped more United attacks dead, David, than any Bournemouth defender. Yeah. At Hero de Hero tweeted us, he said, Rooney's current role, similar to that of my Japanese emperor. Hashtag symbolic. But there were some very good signs uh, for Man United, particularly the play of their new centre-back, Bailly, Rog. He was absolutely fantastic. And Jose seemed to get something out of central midfield. He seemed to find uh, things from Fellaini and from Herrera that certainly Louis van Gaal wasn't able to locate. Absolutely, David. But when United did struggle, they needed a difference maker. And that difference maker was Simon Francis. One of the most charitable gifts to the free Juan Mata campaign you'll ever see. Yeah, it's a confusing goal. I had to watch it a few times. There were poor underhit back pass, <laughs> followed by the poor, unfortunate rebound uh, off him back to Juan Mata for yeah, the goal. Yeah, Ju- Juan bungled the initial chance. Yeah. Oh, poor Juan. The arty Buco of the Premier League, mm. who'd run around for much of the first half, trying to work out whether his starting place was some kind of cruel trick yeah. perpetrated Brilliant by his man torturer. management by Jose Mourinho. But then Simon Francis just knocked the ball loose again and found Mata near the goal line for the tap-in. Cut to Mourinho celebrating. We have different feelings about this. I mean, the camera's cut to Mourinho, who looked to me as if he just tasted a turd on the sideline. A look mm. reminiscent of that scene in Schindler's List we always talk about where Liam Neeson briefly persuades Ralph Fiennes' camp commandment that it's a more impressive act to grant people mercy. And he walked around for a couple of scenes granting mercy to those his every bodily urge wanted to condemn. Mm. But you've got a different feeling about uh, Joe well, saying... Well, no, not that different in that I just believe that Mourinho is even more ruthless than you do. Uh, I don't think he cares who scores for him and who allows him to win. He wants to win. And I also think, because everything comes back to Jose Mourinho, he will view his substitution of Juan Mata in the Community Shield final after bringing him on as a substitute, Rog, he'll view that as brilliant man management. He got the performance out of the player. God love. Bournemouth stepped it up in the second half, zipping the ball around in the final third without manufacturing a shot on target for Eons. But then it was Rooney's moment. Rooney does what Rooney has continued to do in the Premier League again and again and again, season after season, found himself in the right place at the right time, and he headed it in uh, with his rug. Anthony Marshall mishit a shot, which I guess technically is a chassist. Mm. Rooney leaped, and by leaped, I mean a whole foot of hang time. (laughs) 
and he got his hair plugs on the ball with a sincerely phenomenal finish across the goalkeeper. Muscle memory of a once great striker. Two goals, two goal scorers. To me, goal scorers who might make tactical and political challenges for Mourinho in the medium term. But forget them. They don't matter because we're still Zlatan time, David. The contractually obliged goal. Yeah, it's a good goal. He always scores on his debut in a new league, uh, Rog. And this one didn't seem to hit it brilliantly. Daisy cut it across the ground. Uh, very similar to another goal we're going to talk about later. And uh, there it is. Yeah, there it was. Bournemouth dejected defenders backing off. Zlatan, one shot, one goal. A bloke who scored on his Premier League, Serie A, La Liga, League One and Champions League debut. You won't find it that easy when you come to MLS, Latan. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you. And credit United, Davey. Herrera, Fellaini, as you said, were excellent in the midfield. Blint, Eric Bay, superb. They've possibly not given the sternest test. The only way it could have gotten better for United fans is if Bebe and Eric Jemba Jemba had gotten on the scoreboard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Rog. I think certainly for United fans, this felt like a very different... Uh, performance under Mourinho that they saw under Van Gaal. They saw a lot to be uh, optimistic about, a lot to feel good about it. You're right, it was Bournemouth. Uh, it was the first day of the season. Uh, but I think there are some individual performances there that they're going to feel very, very reassured about, Roger. Less reassuring, perhaps. Roger, Manchester City's 2-1 victory against Sunderland. Pep Guardiola survives a scare from fellow continental David Moyes <laughs> in his... Uh, da- sorry, David Moyes in his debut by adhering to one of English football's golden rules. When the chips are down, make sure you're playing against Paddy McNair. In the 87th minute, just four minutes after coming on as a sub, the former United defender turned a Jesus Navas cross into his own net, allowing the Etihad to breathe a collective sigh of sky blue relief. Everyone, that is, except Joe Hart, who was dropped. God love. Beneath pristine banners proclaiming Guardiola's blue and white army. The Pep era begins with that Ned Starkest beheading of Joe Hart. Guardiola selected Willy Cabba for the Premier League opener, mm. suggesting that Pep's mission is not just to win, mm. but to win with a definitive style. Mm-hmm. And that style involves a goalkeeper who can't just stop shots, which Hart can do yeah. on occasion, yeah. but also sweep up in his own half, way outside the area, play with the ball at his feet, allowing his defenders to push up even higher and higher and suffocate the amount of space the opposing team have to play in. Yeah. He got very used to Manuel Neuer, Pep Guardiola, at Bayern Munich, and he wants that kind of a keeper, Rog. He's the gold standard. I mean, he made 2,077 short passes last season. Joe Hart had 562. And I remember going to watch Pep Guardiola's teams at the Nou Camp a lot. Yeah. And Victor Valdez, when you watch them, when Barcelona had the ball, Mm. In the opponent's half, Victor Valdez would push up near to his own yeah. halfway line. Sweep a keeper. Stay on your line, Joe. <laughs> Get back, Joe. Yeah. What are you doing, man? Guardiola now heavily linked to Barcelona's Claudio Bravo. Huh. And what rumours abound now, Davo? Joe Hart too? Everton would be amazing. Why would it be amazing? It would be amazing because... For comedy there's only Yeah, for comedy purposes. There's only one player you've slated more in the history of this podcast. That's John Terry. I'm still praying he's going to go to Everton at some point. But Joe Hart to Everton would be amazing. Not only because for the comedic value of you having to support Joe Hart, but also Everton have the smallest, tightest, most cramped tunnel 
in the Premier League. It'd be like regression Ross. therapy I know. for Joe Hart. Joe Hart there. having to work in that tunnel. It's like, what? That's it's a, a birth canal. That's like a big it's comedian a working in a very small room, Ross. <laughs> it would be amazing. Let's just say life can play cruel tricks on you sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been trying to think about how I feel. To me, Joe Hart going to Everton would be how I imagine someone who is really anti-Semitic feels when they find out that their grandmother was actually Jewish. But, <laughs> <laughs> but producer J-Dubs, yeah. I think it went one better. He said, for me, Rog, he said, it's like as if you really love a band, love a band, and just tour with them everywhere, and they've always seen them. And then Phil Collins becomes a lead singer slash drummer of yeah, that band. But I also think there's probably an element yeah. that, look... With the greatest respect to Tim Howard, the amazing career he's had, I don't think he was fantastic for Everton the last couple of seasons. I think Joe Hart, rather like Gareth Barry, would go to Everton and do a very, very good job. And you might enjoy some of the saves that he would make. He'd have to deal with some of the howlers. I've been trying to think think about how I would play Joe Hart, and this is what I've come up with. I'd restrict him solely to tunnel duties. (laughs) I'd field him. Yeah, I was going to recommend you played him in goal. I'd field him. No, I'd field him just as a highly paid mascot, uh-huh. just to rev the lads up in the tunnel. Yeah. Slap them on the bump. Mm, yeah. Like boxers have their pet men. Yeah. And then uh, Stecklenburg can just You'd like stick walk in on. Stecklenburg. Yeah, definitely. Stay with it, Dave. Yeah. But I do. I admire what Pep's done. It's very much a Mourinho thing. What he did, you know, playing sh- uh, It'd be like Bears. Play, playing Shirley <laughs> up front. Yeah, definitely. Every band needs a Bears. Yeah. And Andrew Ridgely, a Maracas uh-huh. player, be amazing. But I admire what. Um, Pep's doing he doesn't love Willie how they are it, but it's classic managerial strategy to like show your bosses yeah. you know what uh, it's what Mourinho does I'm going to play Shirley up front I need a new striker yeah and it's also classic managerial strategy to walk into a new locker room and just rip off the head of the team you have inherited's leader yeah and eat their still beating heart with the blood dribbling down your jowls yeah. while no, howling at the moon Absolutely. it's straight up classic managerial playbook yeah so in this game, big tactical question, was without Joe Hart in the tunnel, would Manchester City know how to make magic happen, how to keep assisting, or to create goals, 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 lads? Yeah. And the jury's still out there. Yeah, well, although, although the beneficiary of this whole thing seemed to have been Raz. We now know that Raz did not really enjoy the Joe Hart uh, <laughs> pep talks, either at Man City or for England uh, in France, Rog. Raz felt like a player reborn. This was magic from Pep Guardiola. He seems to have instilled some confidence in the young man. Possibly, you could say that, David. But for City, it was a subdued start. The crowd was flat. Sunderland took all the initiative, running at debutant John Stones and his centre-back partner, Kolarov, the new PK and Puyol, on City's first break. Your man Sterling mm. cut inside Van Arnold. Perhaps accidentally took him down. There was barely a cheer from the home crowd as the ref pointed to the spot. And then Aguero converted. But City, very, very languid. Yeah, they're, they're dull. But City have been dull for a while, uh, Rog. And they didn't really inspire in any way. It feels like they, just as Arsene Wenger felt about his own Arsenal, they just didn't seem that ready, Rog. Nolito, David Silva buzzing, the Bruyne bristling with intent. City not able to break through Sunderland's lines as Raheem... Did his little thing, tripping over his feet like an adorable baby foal. Oh, cute. And then David Moyes team. They oh. had the temerity to summon an equaliser. Yeah. Where there's course. Jermaine Defoe, there's hope. Yeah, Jermaine Defoe. Uh, what a striker. What a Premier League 
player, Rog. What an instinct he has for goal. He pops up, right place, right time. Bam, 1-1. The MLS defector scoring with ease in the 71st minute to become, this is amazing, Davo, joint 10th on the all-time Premier League scoring list. And then all seemed dark for Pep. I imagine Jack Rodwell cockily trash-talking John Stones on the field. Mm. Leaving Everton for City will make your career go total crap <laughs> like mine. Yeah. But then David Moyes did City a solid. I've got to say, one of his troops at Everton, David Moyes, yeah. was just his arch-negative conservatism late mm. on in matches, his man management. And he decided to take off Defoe, sole striker, yeah. replace him with newly arrived Manchester United cast-off defender Paddy McNair to lock yeah. down the game. Who saw that coming, David? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Paddy McNair, the own goal. I'm not sure there's a lot he could do about it, uh, but very, very, very fortunate for Man City, Rog. Three points for Man City. Pet Revolution will be televised. It's going to take a lot more time before we can judge him. I say it's lovely to see 20-year-old Lyndon Gooch get the start for Sunderland mm. under da David Moyes, the 20-year-old from Santa Cruz, California, who has both English and Irish passports. Expect Jurgen Klinsmann to cap tie him soon. Good Gucci! Who's he going to replace? Who, what kind of a player would he come in for in the US men's national I mean, team? Jürgen got different ideas about positioning. So yeah. maybe Brad Guzan. <laughs> playing goal. <laughs> playing goal, we'll see, Rog. Okay, uh, the game that kicked off the Premier League season, Rog. Last year's champions, Leicester City, go to Hull. <sighs> they get beaten 2-1. They become the first Premier League champion to ever begin their title defence with a loss. Even worse than Chelsea last season, falling to a side with only 13 senior team players in their match day 18. A Robert Snodgrass 57th minute goal, Rog, proved the difference at the KCOM. Oh, the first game for, as the banners in the stadium read, the Euro Foxes. Yeah. Which sounds like some 1970 porn mag, Dave. Mm. And as their fans sang, champions of England, we know what we are. I realised they should enjoy it because talk about a reality yeah. check. Humiliating loss to newly promoted Hull City, 13 fit professionals, a caretaker manager, a fan base in open revolt against their owner, less a football team, more a mumblecore movie. Mm. But you've got to credit that new temporary manager, Dave, Mike Phelan. Mike, it's the Mike Phelan era. Uh, right now, it's going to be difficult to replace him if they keep on winning, Roger, and playing with that much energy and he, enthusiasm. He noticed something about Leicester City that so few of his Premier League peers did last season. <laughs> yeah, let him have the ball. Yeah, they like to play on the break, yeah. his scouting report said. I mean, Hull may be crap, but they move that crap very, very deep yeah. and deprive Leicester of any room in the channels. It was Pierce and Hargy football, Dave. I said one of the most rational theories about Leicester's success that I heard about last season is that like Robert Johnson or Dr. Faust before them, is that they just sold their soul to the devil. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, Bocelli was involved. Yeah, I somehow. In deal. He's the whole city fan now, yeah. Bocelli. But that deal appears to have lasted for just 12 months. Mm. On the stroke of half-time, Kasper Schmeichel, he of a new five-year contract, flapped to the corner. A second cross was thumped in. Panic in the Leicester City area. And Abel Hernandez and Diamande Oh, overhead acrobatics. To it was a, should, should like be a swimming should style. should be a new Olympic sport, Rog. It's like the out-of-the-pool part of the synchronised swimming, <laughs> which is my favourite part of the synchronised <laughs> swimming, the, the, the march into the arena. And it was. It was a synchronised overhead kick. I imagined Hope Solo watching the game in Brazil and just throwing a remote control through the television. <laughs> Hull City playing like a bunch of cowards. The yes. better team is not winning. Yes. Oh, but Leicester forced their way back into the game. Dodgy penalty award. Mares 
who until then had been playing as if the game was an Arsenal come and get me play. Thumped at home at Mudbone. Mares beginning to pull a 2015-16 Eden Hazard. Yeah, well, except for a big difference, he scored a goal in the first game of the season, which Eden, <laughs> Eden Hazard didn't do last year. But credit hole, club with so many problems, but they took the punch on the chin and they scored a second time. Schmeichel yeah. at the heart of the goal, throwing the ball out fast but sloppily. Leicester's defence, Robert Hoothless with Louis Hernandez slotting in alongside mighty Wes Morgan, mm. never recovered. And it was Robert Snodgrass thumping at home. Yeah, big moments in big games require big-time players, Rog. And Robert Snodgrass stepped home, just slotted it in, Rog. Absolutely notched it. Uh, hit it off the screws. Fantastic finish. Good to see for the Scottish player. Sight of the weekend, Jaime Vardy, so frustrated after unfurling the kind of wild, impotent forward play he could mm. only have learned in England training. Yeah. Just flat out punched himself yeah, in the face. He's self-harmed. self-harmed. We've Rog. all been there, Jaime. Hull City, first newly promoted club to win a game on the first day of the season, or to give them their full name, undefeated Hull City, yeah. who were rumoured to be poised for a takeover by a Chinese consortium <laughs> who must have all the leverage judged by the amount of graffiti covering the stadium lambasting current owner Asem Alam. But David Leicester, first ever champs to lose their opening fixture. Mm. What do you think? Well, it was a very different game for them. People know who they are. People are prepared uh, for their game plan. Certainly Mike Phelan did. He uh, starved them of counter-attack. He gave them possession. And suddenly Leicester stopped doing what Leicester did so well. They intercepted so many times last year. They pressed up. Their, their back line played up. You know, they definitely, I must say, some of those players did not look in great shape, Rog. They didn't seem to cover as much ground. I'm looking at you, Wes Morgan. Um, just did not look like the same team. Oh, they might just become the first team to win the Champions League and be relegated <laughs> in the same season. It's very difficult to concentrate on both leagues, Rog. Uh, Chelsea 2, West Ham 1, Antonio Conte celebrated, wow, he really did, with the Stamford Bridge proletariat, hugging and high-fiving fans after Diego Costa hit home in the 89th minute to give the Italian his first Premier League win. Antonio Conte's Chelsea, the man who I think looks just like Anton Chigurh from No Country for All Men, but yeah. producer Jem Simons swears that he looks like Joe Namath circa 1973 when he guested on the Brady Bunch. Yeah, no, the, the, the uh, resemblance is staggering. Oh, just don't have him around, Susie Colber. But no Sesk, a sign that Conte wants true tactical discipline. And for West Ham, Payet not yet ready to play a full 90. But I've got to ask you, first game in the Premier League, in the Conte era, what differences did you see with you, Chelsea? Well, the team had a lot more energy. You know, we talked earlier about Pep Guardiola coming in and delivering the message, taking out the biggest character in his uh, dressing room in Joe Hart. Uh, certainly, Conte came in and uh, took out Cesc Fabregas, who would have seen himself in many ways next to John Terry as the leader of that team. Uh, look, first of all, central midfield looks so much better. N'Golo Kante looks like a much better partner for Nemanja Matic, and Matic certainly thrived in that system. The fullbacks. We Pushing saw up. the fullbacks playing up, and not only was that made uh, Chelsea just much sharper um, going forward, but it also really stopped West Ham getting any service from the flanks into Andy Carroll. And a lot of players who didn't really show up last season, Matic being uh, one, Oscar being another, just noticeably played much better. Diego Costa looked so much fitter. And best of all, Eden Hazard looked like one of the top players in the world again. 
Yeah, but having said that, the first half, rusty stuff going forward from both sides. For me, the highlight of that first half was definitely Ivanovic's hair. Um, problems in sector 3.4, Roger. Oh, but in a league of man buns and top nutches. It's refreshing. It's heartwarming yeah. to see one man solo persevere with a monk's tonsure. He's my player of the week, David. We'll talk about off. He's going right into my togger fantasy side. He is, so you I love it. I love it. I want to support him with every ounce of my energy. But the game did kick into life within 49 seconds of the second half. Wannabe fullback Antonio. A moment of defensive play ripped straight from the Alberto Mourinho handbook. Yeah. And who was in the penalty area? What's he doing there? Dave. What's Dave doing in the penalty area? I think we only saw him once in the penalty area for the whole of last season. And that might have been protesting a referee decision. Uh, It was an amazing thing to go and see. And who steps up to slot home the penalty, Rog? In his first game of the season, Eden Hazard. And he thumped it, Creamed it. He did. He normally waits for the goalie to dive before sending the ball into the other corner. But here, he just wellied the ball. Yeah, It's like I've seen 52-yard field goals hit softer, David. Hmm. And God love him. It took him 1,915 minutes to score last season. Just 46 this. Eden Hazard, David, he's thirsty again. Yeah, A resurrection. To me, it's as shocking as Jon Snow. Watching Hazard actually want the ball, it was like seeing Kit Harrington just snap away and come alive again on the table. Yeah. Seeing him run at opponents, stretching their back lines. It's the Eden we knew and loved and feared two seasons ago. Yeah. Chelsea then did something which they certainly didn't do at all last season under Mourinho. They started pressing forward for the second goal, Rod, something we've never seen. However, a little bit like Chelsea under Jose Mourinho last season, they managed to then concede a goal with West Ham's only shot on goal in the entire game up to that point. Evidence of a truth that Chelsea's backline was permeable last season yeah. and they've not upgraded the core ingredients mm. this time round. And it was James they Collins... Got older and stupider. ...who finished sharply while protesting for a penalty at the same time. Amazing. Amazing coordination. Yeah. Fantastic finish from the big man who looks like Tormund Giantsbane without a toupee. Mm. But there was more to come. Yeah, substitutions from Antonio Conte. Uh, sends on Pedro, sends on Moses, sends on Batshuayi, I believe is the way it is pronounced, Rog. Uh, we're waiting for the pronunciation guide from NBC for that, but I believe it will be Batshuayi. Batty lad. Um, and it pays dividends, uh, Rog. Batshuayi with the uh, head on uh, gets to Diego Costa. Diego takes some somewhat speculative daisy-cutting shot and it goes in. In the 89th minute. The Diego Costa, whom West Ham's players argued after the game, probably should have been sent off the field for a second yellow after driving his cleat into Adrian's ankle, but he was still there. The Costa, the Costa of old, spanking the ball into the corner as if he was Latan. Guess who's back? Back again. Shady's back. Tell a friend, Davo. On the sideline, Conte charging down the wing, leapt into the air, light Jurgen Klopp, fellow hair transplant victim, I believe that must be a side effect, Davo, of the hair transplant process. Yeah. That you just cannot. What a feeling. You just yeah, got to flash can't. dance. You just got to exactly. leap it off, show it all, jazz hand on the sideline. Mm. Remarkable to watch him high five the Chelsea fans. It's like Arsenio Hall at the beginning of his show, God rest its soul. The Conte charm offensive. Do you think when he looks in the mirror, he thinks, I'm a bald guy? Or do you think when he looks in the mirror, he thinks, God, I've got a lovely head of hair? I think he's so focused on this charm offensive. Yeah. I think. He is a man, I believe, that wants to, when he sees other human beings, he wants to eat their souls and wash it down with a glass of Malbec. Mm. But at Chelsea, Davo, 
He's just pretending that he's like other human beings and he loves the company of the masses, Dave. I love you all. I love you all. We come in peace. He is, as a human being, most like any of the characters in that old miniseries, V. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he has a lizard tongue. <laughs> and there's more coming. There's more Conte's coming, Dave, and they're all going to eat us. Yeah, you might be right, but I sort of feel that he has this energy which is somewhat natural. I think he's just a very, very intense fellow. And Chelsea fans are going to warm to that. Haven't seen that in a very, very, very long time at Chelsea. Gus Hiddink never even left the technical area, let alone showed any excitement. He didn't remember he could do, make substitutions even. Uh, <laughs> it was a really poor Gus, but it was a, it was a really wonderful thing to, to watch. I think Chelsea are going to be entertaining this season, Roger. I don't think they're going to win anything, but I, I do believe I they're going to be I think they're going to win it all. But I'll say this with Conte. You're in a foxhole in the Pacific yeah. Theatre. Mm-hmm. You're with Mourinho. He yeah. lifts you as a body shield and runs forward towards the enemy. Mm-hmm. You follow Conte. You follow Conte over yeah. there. I mean, you would go anywhere with that man. Yeah. And he reminds me, watching him, Trapattoni, the famous quote that we talk about all the time, a good manager can make a team 10% better, he said. A bad manager can make a team 30% worse. 2014-15, Mourinho was that good manager. 15-16, mm. Mourinho was the bad manager. Conte is going to be the good manager again, and Chelsea's opponents must be duly warned. Poor, from my team to your team, Everton won, Tottenham won, a Ross Barkley... Oh, was it Willian? Maybe free kick and Eric Lamella header cancel each other out at Goodison in a game that saw each side look both impressive and then impotent for stretches. Oh, say first seconds before kickoff, I was watching with my youngest son, uh-huh. Oz, five, and I just turned around to him. It's the first season he's really been into football madly deeply. I just said to him, he's an Everton fan. He had it on his Jerry D shirt, and I said to him, Oz, God, one day maybe you could play for Everton. And he just turned around to me and he said, nope, I want to play for New York Red Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Which was like I've been slapped across the face with a red fish. It's perhaps MLS's greatest achievement in its yeah. 21 years. And I mean that absolutely and completely. Oh, the game. Well, maybe Except- he just doesn't want to leave too far from home. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to stray. Well, I'm not going to go on with the story, but he did turn around to uh, my wife and say, Mummy, if I play in New Jersey, will you come and live with me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking as if his, de- his debut is going to be when he's age six. But this was an ex-Southampton manager derby. I love Pochettino's pre-game comments about what he told his players after their late collapse last season. Yes, those feelings were furious. I just told them that if I had had the opportunity to kill them, then I would have done. I wanted to kill all of them and kill myself too. <laughs> so refreshing. Welcome back, Premier League. Don't think we'd hear our sense oh. But he wasn't the only manager at Goodison this weekend. How did your new boy Ronald Koeman do, Rog? Oh, God love him. He started with a back three. Everton instantly so much faster, more direct than they were under Roberto. And within five minutes, David, Ross Barkley, who Koeman had publicly suggested needs to do more on the field, scored off a set piece. The light you hinted in the intro made it completely clear whose free kicks he's been watching on YouTube over summer. Yeah, it was more Willian than a Willian free kick. I mean, it floated in even slower into the uh, area, but he sort of put it into a space, Rog, and Hugo Lloris didn't know what to do with it. Spurs with Wanyama and Eric Dyer together. Eric Dyer with his early David Beckham era bangs mm. to just lack the creativity to dominate. And Everton new signing, and I say instant cult hero, Idrissa Gray. Yeah. Everywhere, destroying, creating simply. Everton working so hard all over the field, so motivated, mm. desperate to impress a manager 
as opposed to tune out the old one. Can I just make the point that my Senegalese Uber driver was also very unhappy at the performance of Idrissa Gueye, thinks he works way harder in that game than he has for Senegal recently. He's playing for Everton's Harvey, Dave. Yeah. But Koeman had said before the game that his team was 70% ready for the start of the season, talked about a pre-season that was not long enough for his liking. Mm. And as that game wore on, fitness did seem to take its toll. Everton's hard charging was dialed down a notch. And just when we were applauding Everton's defensive soundness, Pochettino stretched them, dropping on debutant Vincent Jansen mm. uh, as a second striker. Everton's back line didn't adjust, failed to pick up Eric Lamella. Yeah, and the ball in from Carl Walker scored a lot of points on my fantasy team on Togger this weekend, Rog. He knocked it in and Eric Lamella uh, puts it away, Rog. I'll just say, down the home straight as Everton wilted, as they do. Another team is not ready, Rog. Another team not ready for the real season. That's so true, Davo, because down the home straight, as Everton wilted, new goalkeeper Martin Stecklenburg, magnificent. Everton started to look like a movie we'd all seen before last are you season. Just, are, you just, are you just trying to fight off the Joe Hart transfer, Rog? <laughs> <laughs> by, by promoting the work of Stecklenburg. There's room for everyone here at Goodison Park, mate. Everton did sit deeper and deeper as they have in the last two seasons toward the ends of games, but here they didn't concede in brutal fashion in the dying seconds, and that, my friends, is progress. Yes. One, one, Roger, point for Everton. I think ultimately a point that both teams would settle for there. Uh, down in London, Rog, down in South London, Crystal Palace nil, West Brom one. Tactical savant Tony Poulis sees his side snatch all three points at Selhurst Park. Thanks to, and you'll never believe this, Rog, a Solomon Rondon header off a set piece. How did I not pick him for my fantasy team? Palace, 62% possession, just couldn't convert it. Even as West Brom's Tony Poulis suggested his own team are stagnating. Few teams crowd that's for... That's a compliment <laughs> that's exactly, from Tony Poulis. That's exactly, exactly, what I'm going, exactly what I'm going for. I want them rotting. I want them stinking. Yeah. I want B.O. Don't brush your teeth, lads. Definitely yeah. don't floss. Yeah. We're not ready. We're only stagnating. <laughs> I want to be rotting. Oh, Crystal Palace. Few teams crowd for striker more. Repeatedly linked to Berahino, Christian Benteke. They need one quickly. They got a relatively kind start to the season, but they've got to rack up points before October when the clouds may darken. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a little worried about Crystal Palace right now, Rog. Uh, Southampton won, Watford won. Newcomer from Norwich, Nathan Redmond volleyed home the Saints equaliser after Etienne Capu had put the Hornets ahead. A point apiece for new Premier League managers, Walter Mazzari and Claude Puel. And Middlesbrough won, Stoke City won. A stunning second half, Shakiri free kick rescues a point for the Potters after former Manchester City cast member Alvaro Negredo put Borough ahead. Oh, the team Middlesbrough that John Green calls the Premier League side, missing an O. <laughs> God, Stoke, I want to call out the incredible amount of creative thought that Stoke's coaching team have poured into Marco and Outovic's look over the summer. Yeah. They've just combined every single Premier League footballing hairstyle yeah. into one cut. The man bun, the side fade, the bleach blonde, they're all there. It is a masterpiece. Very, very good work from his glam squad, Rog. Uh, and Burnley, nil. Swansea won an 83rd minute Leroy Fair goal. Dashes Dave Fishwick's hopes in the top flight's return <laughs> to Turf Moor. Oh, could, welcome. Be bad, could be a bad week for minibus sales. Welcome back, Turf Moor. Welcome back, Davey Fishwick. Welcome back, struggling to score. Mm. Massive win for Swansea, for whom Fernando Llorente impressed. 
After a summer of change, they showed that despite the loss of Captain Ashley Williams, beautiful man that he is, mm. the more dead Woody Andre Ayew and Gomis and new American ownership, that they still know how to win three points and fight their way to mid-table obscurity. Now, from real football, Rog, to fantasy football, and our togger football fantasy so real that it hurts. update. Um, oh, I was so excited about the togger. Enjoyed putting my team together. Enjoyed playing uh, that game this week. We're going to be playing it every it. week. This past week... Okay, Rog, one week I took you, and not by very much. We're both crap. Let's face it, I was just a little bit less crap than you were this for the, week. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we are trying to rally round the cause of a remarkable American success story out of Austin, Texas, a relatively sophisticated upgrade on the way that soccer... Uh, is dealt with in the fantasy realm that tries to add several statistics so that defensive players can contribute and score points for what they do in the same way uh, as, as attacking players and midfield players, Dave. We've had a couple of thousand GFOPs join us mm. in this mass kind of lemming-like march towards jumping off yeah. a clip. I'll just say about my own team, Dave, rather than just talk generally. I remember once reading a Fortune magazine article about a New York-based billionaire who lost uh, two-thirds of his money when Vivendi Universal just melted down. Mm. And a, some, the journalist wrote that if you had hired a monkey to pick stocks, <laughs> they could not have lost $2 billion in that time frame. Yeah. And I, th- I believe if you'd had a monkey pick my team, that monkey yeah. would have <laughs> yeah, well, well, the monkey might have taken out Sigurdsson when they realised that Sigurdsson wasn't starting. And you continued to play Sigurdsson. Oh, someone's though, looking at my team. I know, no, when I looked at it and I thought, oh, how am I going to do versus Rog? And I realised that I was playing against essentially seven players because you hadn't substituted out the uh, players who weren't By I, you mean my five-year-old son, Oz. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I just said, can we give some credit? Yeah. Because Lexi, producer Lexi, we're all on this and mm. we need to get everybody up there on, the, uh, uh, on this thing so everyone can see. She is the top Men in Blazers representative. Come on, Lexi. 947th place. Oh. 85 points nearly. Nice, Lexi. And the only solace that I've got is that producer J-Dubs, who knows mm. more about football than anybody, 2,719th place below me. I'm looking down wow, on him. amazing. With 50 and a quarter points. Yeah. But I'm going to come back this week, Dave, because I'm going to go all in on whole City players. Well, I love it, uh, Rog. I, I'm, I've just made a decision. I'm going, to be, uh, I'm going to be very loyal to the fantasy players who deliver for me. If you get double-digit point points for me, yeah. I'm not dropping you. Oh, Whoever do, you're playing next week, Harvey, I'm, not, lads. I'm not dropping you. Do it for Harvey. You. So, so Kyle Walker, Shakiri. Oscar, you're safe next week. Andy, with nine and a half points, you, you could be safe again. How can GFOPs listening who don't know what the heck we're talking it about It is not play too along? late to sign up for the Men in Blazers Fantasy League, Rog. All of the information is on meninblazers.com and at playtogger.com, T-O-G-G-A.com. You just download the Togger app, you pick your perfect 11, click on Featured Leagues and join our league. That's the Men in Blazers League. For those of you concerned, you miss week one, worry not. In addition to the end of the season grand prize, we have weekly prizes for the winner. We're, gonna, we're developing a winner. patch. Yeah, absolutely. We are developing a patch, a patch as we for speak. a winner of our... In of the sweatshop in Zhangjiang. In Zhangjiang province, yep. Rog. Brilliant. This week's winner is Fletty, Rog. Fletty, spelled F-L-E-T-T-Y. Is that the entirety of Fletty's name? Is he like Bono, Gandhi, Seacrest? He only goes by one name. Fletty, Rog. He racked up 150.75 points, Rog. Is he a Russian hacker? Oh, he had Tom Heaton, he had George Friend, he had Gaston Ramirez all on his team. Uh, The prize is going to be the patch, right, Rog? Yeah, we're developing that patch. Okay, we're developing the patch. So we're developing your prize, Fletty, and uh, that patch will be magic. (sighs) 
Okay, moving that was on. That's the best part of the show. To not such great news, Rod. The US women's national team. Oh, oh heartbreak in town. Brazil. Uh, the final score was 1 1 against Sweden, but then it went to penalties. The World Cup champions eliminated by Sweden, uh, where Pierre Sundhager's side bested Hope, Solo, and Co. 4 3 mm. in the shootout. The US women's national team failed to reach the semis of a major tournament for the first time ever. Oh, I had a bad feeling about this game, David. First time I saw the team sheet and realised the US, US weren't fielding enough Simones. Yeah, very true. We had all the possession, yet Sweden punished the team on the break in the 61st minute. Stina Blackstenios channeling Jamie Vardy of last season with a smart finish on the break. And the game became like watching Barcelona on a bad day play West Brom on a great one. Tenacious defending, organisation, concentration, huge saves when needed from Sweden. And watching the US, we've had a bunch of players and Jill Ellis come on the show before the tournament and they all said how the squad has been rebuilt purposely, intentionally to play against teams like Sweden who will be content to sit back and prevent the US from doing what they've done in the past, which is just to use their superior pace and athleticism to score in open play. This team was designed to be like US Women's National Team 2.0 to be able to pass and move and pull opponents apart, create chances at will. Yet here, with all that possession, they just struggled with the final pass. They couldn't find a reliable crossing supply. And as they became ever more desperate, their decision-making just slipped to like Ryan Lochte at the Barbers levels, floating in long ball after long ball to no avail. Yeah, Rog. I mean, Alex Morgan saved the day uh, with a goal, but then extra time and penalties. And then, look, you know, I've gone on the record, I think. Penalties are a terrible way to end major soccer games. It's a lottery at that point. It is, and it reduces what is a collective game to an individual battle. And here it was brutal to watch. Alex Morgan's first penalty, a misfire. And then with the game on the line, a can't-miss penalty, Kristin Press walked up. I mean, she is so talented, yet the widespread knock on her is that her confidence is fragile. And so it was. I say to send her up for that final penalty kick, a high-stakes gamble. (sighs) One that just didn't pay off. Look, lots of great football players. The great Lionel Messi missed a penalty uh, this summer. Rog in a penalty shootout. It's, um, it's a lottery. It's a lottery, as we said. Uh, lots of Monday morning quarterbacking. Uh, lots of hindsight being 2020 after the event. But ultimately, you know what? Sweden came to play. They came in with a game plan. Uh, they executed their game plan to perfection. And this is what's going to happen. This is what happens when you are the best in the world. Teams come at you and they try to figure out a way to beat you. And they didn't play them off the park. They didn't play attacking football. They sat back. They waited for their chances. They took their opportunity when they had it. And they they made it through extra time and made it through the penalty shootout. And now we do have to kind of pick through the wreckage. And it's a tough thing to be negative about the US women's national team. They've been so good for so long. And the game has such fragile roots at the professional level. And so many of the players in the NWSL are getting by on salaries of $7,200 is the minimum, I think, a season. We all want the game to build so badly. And, and the team have been given us such joy, such joy over the past two years. Big tournament play is so unforgiving, but it hurts, David. I mean, the US women were deprived of a game against Brazil today at the Maracana, which would have been just another iconic moment for the women's game in this country and a step in the right direction for women's football globally. 
if there was a men's team that lost like this, there would be savage retribution. We'd all be running around with our heads in our hands saying, if only we had the best US athletes playing women's soccer like Kerry Walsh Jennings and Ali Raceman. But thank God we were prevented from having any sober analysis of the uh, US loss, thanks to Hope Solo. Yeah, Hope Solo's post-match comments, uh, Rog, described the Swedish team as a bunch of cowards um, for the way that they set up, presumably. Yeah, these are words as if drafted by Donald Trump's speechwriter. I mean, I thought we played a courageous game, but I also think we played a bunch of cowards. The best team did not win today. Look, I mean, I think Hope Solo, um, you get what you get. I mean, it's no surprise that Hope Solo is making these kind of comments at the end of the game. And I would say in an era where athletes barely say anything in interviews, where often they don't even appear to go and speak post-match, and she was asked in the heat of the moment after a devastating loss, I don't think we can criticise her for being somewhat outspoken, but of course she has to be held for the words she says. It just does seem, especially at an Olympic soccer event, which is meant to be about, you know, the nations coming together to honour sporting endeavour and excellent and, uh, you know, the, the various sort of other aspects of the Olympic spirit which tend to get lost, uh, Rog. It just felt so out of place for her to say what she said. It did. I mean, putting aside the statement which shows a vast ignorance of tactical soccer, would say Jose Mourinho and his Inter Milan team, but what a diabolical tournament for Hope. I mean, starting with the Zika tweets, reinforced by a series of uncharacteristic blunders in goal, topped off by the ugly and thankfully unsuccessful gamemanship in the penalty shootout when she tried to ice the last Swedish kicker by changing her gloves slowly before the kick. She is the Ty Cobb of women's sports, and she's tolerated because of her superiority, her vast superiority vast. in the position, and nothing more. And I, here's what I hope. I hope her comments don't mask the real questions that need to be asked, like the ongoing centrality of Carly Lloyd, age 34. Should she be the dominant force on a team packed with emerging options? Tobin Heath, Mallory Pugh, Crystal Dunn amongst them. But what you said is right, Dave. In women's football, better coaching, enhanced tactical ability has made the gap between all the traditional powers and the chasing back ever smaller. And victories won through superior athleticism, conditioning and pace and physicality, they are over in this new age of women's football. Winning World Cups and Olympic gold, it's going to become harder and harder and ever more competitive here on in, and that's a great thing. And look, this team has two settings, uh, Rog, on their hard drive. One is dominate, the other one is seek revenge. And that must be exhausting, Rog, to play in those two settings, under those two settings all of the time. What I just wish for this US women's national team and hope going forward is that we can see them, while they are going to definitely want revenge, they're definitely going to want to go and win that 2019 World Cup. They definitely want to go and win the Olympic event in 2020. I hope we can see them really enjoying their football and playing with joy, Rog, uh, and kissing football. I think it would be uh, great to see these women truly express themselves. Okay, Rog, now time for MLS. He scores when he wants, he scores when he wants. Ever since I saw him shopping at the J. Crew in Southampton, he scores when he wants. It's Frankie Lampard, Rog. He scores his ninth goal in 10 games as NYCFC draw with the Columbus Crew 3 3. The Sky Blue half of New York 
in first place in the Eastern Conference, Rush. Yeah, Lamps has flipped from being seen as one of the worst DPs of all time instantly to one of the most productive. Nine goals in his last ten. Yeah. Though Taylor Twelman pointed out seven of those nine deflected, blocked, tipped or gone in by accident. Yeah. Classic They're Frank Lampard. Still goals, Rog. Fascinating in the West, watching Seattle try and close in on Portland. I think they have two games against each other in the next couple of weeks. Going to be riveting watching a Mazeltoff to another New Yorker. Bradley Wright Phillips scored twice in 3-1 win against Montreal Impact. Mm. 59 goals now as a Red Bull parrying and pass Juan Pablo Angel to become the club's all-time leading regular season scorer. Amazing, Rog. Okay, the winner of the coveted Guinness Men in Blazers poet, philosopher, soccer scribe, Raven of the Week is Brad Schleier in Schleier. Phoenix, Arizona. What has happened to the Weekly Ravens? Is that something that we only get during the Premier League season? <laughs> Hopefully, you have not stopped them as they are one of the highlights of my sad, lonely week. Oh, he's one of yours, Rog. Where else am I going to find the important life lessons like whether it is morally correct to sleep with members of the opposite sex you do not find attractive apart from the fact that they possess a pair of Premier League match tickets? <laughs> or why are there no sunglasses in England? Please continue the life guidance or else all may be lost. Oh, God love you, Brad Schleyer. Um Schleyer. Brad Schleyer, Schleyer. 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 Brad Schleyer. Schleyer. Hey, the Schleyer's coming out tonight. We will restore now as a weekly feature mm. this life advice. It's more like an agony yeah. thing, which is a position I'm not comfortable in, giving yeah. advice to any other human being, seeing as yeah. my life is just one enormous catastrophe. Mm. But here on in, it is absolutely restored. Keep sending them to us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Any of your questions, big or small, your statements about football, about the Premier League, about team selecting, about life. Yeah, very, very true. Your weekend looks like this, courtesy of Mini USA. On Saturday, Stoke City versus Manchester City, 7.30 a.m. Oh. Eastern Time on NBCSN. Leicester City, wow, this is a big game. They host Arsenal at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on CNBC. Only one of those teams will emerge alive from and, the wreckage. And in Major League Soccer Saturday, LA Galaxy travel to Yankee Stadium to take on NYCFC on ESPN at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On Sunday, West Ham's first Premier League game from the Olympic Stadium as Bournemouth visit at 11 a.m. on CNBC. There are many ways to connect to us. One is through our Amazon Emporium. Helps keep the show going anytime you go on Amazon for items, big or small. Just click off the Emporium page and Men in Blazers gets a tiny percentage allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. What are you putting in the Emporium this week, Rog? A book. Yeah. Stasiland by mm. Anna Funder. Brilliant volume about the East German secret police, the Stasi, which I happened to pick up randomly in the Imperial War Museum. It is a kinetically written book by yeah. a young Australian writer. Randomly, while you're trying to find something really depressing. Who travelled... This, this book is in much part incredibly haunting. Mm. She travelled across Berlin in the wake of the wall's collapse and tried mm. to reconstruct a sense of the lives lived by those within what she calls the world's most perfect police state mm. and discover what motivated hundreds and thousands of Germans yeah. to inform on their neighbours, family members, colleagues, pod partners... It's magnificently done, occasionally humorous, often tear-inducingly heartbreaking. Ultimately, a study of the self-interest that lies at the heart of human nature as much as it is about totalitarianism. My mate Harvey was complaining to me last night that not only is he suffering terrible stress watching Arsenal uh, this season and worried about it, 
but it's also gaining a little bit of weight around his stomach from all the stress, Rog, from all the cortisol. And I recommended to him something I take myself, Pure Encapsulations Cortisol Calm Rog. It's a daily supplement, comes in a bottle of 60 capsules. The formula is designed, I quote Rog, to maintain healthy cortisol levels and to support relaxation, restful sleep and positive mood during times of stress. If you're an Arsenal fan, Actually, a fan of any team Sounds in the Premier like League. Ecstasy. Pure encapsulations, cortisol, calm. Oh, it's better than ecstasy, Rod. Oh, who's your friend Harvey? Is it really <laughs> Gonzalo Higuain? <laughs> yep. As we mentioned earlier, Rod, our crap show returns to the air this Monday. We're sorry. At a time to be determined. Stay tuned to our social media for that. Visit meninblazers.com to sign up for our newsletter, which we produce with our partner, Guinness, full of life advice. Follow us on Twitter at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davies, at Roger Bennett, on Instagram at Men in Blazers, at Embassy underscore Davies. On Facebook, Men in Blazers, you can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Keep on sending your ravens to the crap part of Soho. Vendorpunk Rog. War pig. Who wants to sex Matumbo? Explosure. Courage. Win it for Harvey. Is that your analysis? To see a sucker. Abrigado. Rock on, mate. Kung Fu fight in America. <sighs> Love you, Rog. Love you, Joe Hart. <laughs>